0: Appreciate our worship team. Appreciate our our folks that uh, keep everything sanitized and going for you. I, there's there's so many moving parts that you don't know about, and we're grateful for all of it. Hey, uh, I want to show you my my new pair of shoes here. Uh, you know, every Christmas, I'm going to talk about Christmas. Ready? Uh, we do the Operation Christmas Child, which is part of Samaritan's Purse. And for you watching online, uh, you can be involved as well. And in the foyer over in this area, you will see that uh, you can go and pick up your box. And what we do, the way, Samaritan, uh, the, way the Operation Christmas Child works, you get a, a shoe box. You fill it up with toys for a, a little boy or a little girl. And uh, then we, they get sent all over the world. These little pairs of shoes, here's the neat thing about this. Our missions team found these. Uh, Jim Rowan, our missions pastor, found them. And uh, what they do, you see these little shoes. The way that they're constructed with the Velcro and everything, the toe curls out. These can grow up to five sizes bigger than what you're looking at. And the good thing about that is is this goes to impoverished kids all over the world, and a pair of shoes is invaluable. And, you know, if you have kids, they outgrow their shoes, and uh, that way they're able to grow with them. And our missions team purchased these, and so when you pick up your box, you can get a pair of these shoes to put in there, and uh, then you can send them. I, I think that's incredible, isn't it? That' a neat thing. And so um, uh, here's a pair. If you did not get one, I know they're going to run low on those. But uh, those those are for that. One other thing I want to make you aware of. In the lobby right out here, you will notice that there's a table called Education Connection. For you that are new around here, let me explain what that is. For many years now, we have adopted Blue Bonnet Elementary School in the Round Rock ISD, and we have a very close relationship with them. Education Connection, how my heart got burdened for that was that uh, I was informed that if you do not get beyond a third grade reading level, the chances of you succeeding in life become even minimal. And in fact, they say that most of the people incarcerated today never got beyond a third grade reading level. They've, they've proven that. So... We we believe it's important that uh, uh, kids learn to to read. So, uh, but you don't have to do it at Blue Monnet. We do Blue Bonnet because we're so connected. But what you are able to do is go in and read to a student and they, the, help them in their reading. Doesn't take thirty minutes a day, uh, week to do that. And so you can go out there and sign up with uh, Mark or Helen or whoever's at the at the table. And you can get more information because uh, this is this is huge. And we've been involved in it for many years now. And so uh, we just want to... And, and this year was so crazy. They're just now getting around to being able to do that because of school closed down. So things are happening. Well, uh, if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to Genesis. Genesis is the first book in the Bible. Genesis chapter 39. Last week uh Pastor Allen did an incredible job of of uh taking us through the the struggle that Joseph had at Potiphar's house and uh through the the temptation with Potiphar's wife and the struggle that Joseph went through but he was a man of integrity and he was not going to sin against God and uh today we're going to pick it up in verse 19 so I want to read the scripture And then I want to come back and tell you where we're going with this passage of Scripture today. So Genesis chapter 39, verse 19. And this is right in the aftermath of um, uh, Potiphar's wife uh, declaring that Joseph had been guilty of something that he had not. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled. Now, I have a I have a question within my mind. Potiphar probably knew the tendencies of his wife. And I wonder if he wasn't more angry with her than he was with Joseph. But he had to do something to save face. And so he was going to put Joseph in prison. That's just, we don't know. He just says his anger was kindled. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, And he was there in in prison. But, I love this, the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. The keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because... Second time here, the Lord was with him. And get this. And whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. It made him prosperous in whatever he did. In Dubai, there is the world's tallest building. You will see a picture of it on the screen. This is called the Burj Khalifa. It is, uh, it rises more than 2,700 feet. That's over a half mile tall. It has 160 floors and it's twice as tall as the Empire State Building. It has the world's highest outdoor observation deck on the 124th floor and the world's highest swimming pool on the 76th floor. So there, there was, you saw that picture of the incredible building that is there. Some of you may have on a business trip have been to Dubai and been able to see that. It took about five years to construct the world's tallest building. However, the first year of construction, it was all below ground. In fact, it took a year for them to form the massive foundation that would support such a building. The foundation contains more than 58,900 cubic yards of concrete, weighing more than 110,000 tons. And for a year, they were constructing the foundation to be able to hold such a a, a building that was going to be on it. Now, where we're going today is, is that God is in the process of building character in our life. And this is a foundation that he is building. And sometimes we want to get on to the construction and the bearing fruit and the in the favor of all the people. But God is saying, listen, i got to work on your foundation before we're going to go there. And so that's what is happening with Joseph. You see, Joseph uh, was a young man who God had incredible plans for. But to get to the plan that he needed to work out history, he had to t- test his character first. In fact, in Psalm 105... Verse 16 through 19, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says this, He called for a famine on the land of Canaan, cutting off its food supply. Then he sent someone to Egypt ahead of them, Joseph, who was sold as a slave. They bruised his feet with fetters and placed his neck in an iron collar until the time came to fulfill his dreams. The Lord tested Joseph's character. He was building that foundation that was going to come into place so that all the world would be different. And I want you to know that if a character development does not take place, just like the foundation, if it was not healthy, that building would not stand. You and I, if we do not have strong character, we're going to, our life will fall apart. It will happen. And the word for testing there that I read in Psalms is an interesting word. It means a word to uh, refine or to test. It's actually the picture of the refining of metal. That's what it is. It's like the silversmith who takes the silver and he puts it into the flame. And what happens is is out of the liquid comes the dross, the the impure part of the silver. And what happens is is he scoops that off. This is the picture. And so what God is doing in Joseph's life is he is refining him. He is purifying him for a purpose that he has. And you're not going to like this, but he's doing the same in your life. He's at work in your life in the same way. Now, there's two words I want to use a little bit interchangeably, and so I want to introduce them at this point. The first word is the word character that I've been using. Character refers to what is truly on the inside. You know, we can all act a certain way, but what is truly on the inside is how one's per, one character is. In other words, it's like what you are made of. What you, The stuff that you were made of, I, and I don't mean physically, I mean what makes you up. This is who you truly are, character. The other word is integrity. And integrity comes from uh, a math term, integer, integer, you probably heard that, which means a whole number, and uh, it, it it refers to wholeness or completeness of something. If you check the integrity of a piece of metal to how much it will hold, you're checking the, the stability of it and the wholeness of it. And so for the person with integrity, he's a person that is whole. This is the way he is, whether he's up on a platform or among a people. This is the way he always is. He is whole and complete. And the Lord needed to prepare Joseph to be used for his eternal purposes. And it would take some hard testing in Joseph's life to bring this around so that in the fullness of time, hear this, Jesus would come. Now, look at Joseph just a moment. And I was thinking about, uh, uh, just about what he had gone through so far. You know, he had no advocate. To stand by him. He had nobody in his court. He is he is accused falsely. He is put into prison. He has no advocate. Second of all, he has no family to come and see him. Because his brothers sold him into slavery and then deceived his dad into thinking he was dead. He had no family. He had no one to come and be with him. He had no rights to lean on. His rights were trampled upon and they were not seen at all. You know, it reminds me of Jesus, doesn't it? Jesus had no advocate when he was brought before Pilate. He was standing there bare before him. He had no family. Those that were closest to him had gone and they had left him alone. But he had no rights. His his right he surrendered his rights, it says in Philippians two. He surrendered his rights to become a bond slave, to become a servant. And this is what he did. And so when I see Joseph going through this, I can't help but see our Savior Jesus in what he walked through. But I thought about Joseph's response in prison. You know, I think about what we've gone through this year, 2020. Not just the virus, but we have the racial uh, tension. We have the elections. We have the anger that we're seeing displayed throughout our nation. And and we're seeing uh, things happen and unfold uh that are testing our character right and left. And I I wonder, as I think about Joseph and what he went through, I I wonder if this went through his mind. He says, man, I hope they elect a new Pharaoh and he will get me out of prison. You know, many people today think that the elections are going to solve every problem that we have. It's not. Or he was hoping that an advocacy group, would spring up that says, we take care of slaves that have been uh, abused. It's not going to happen. Or he could have got bitter because his rights were trampled on. Or he could have got bitter and angry because of these false accusations. Or he could have got angry at God. God, you could have prevented this. Why did you let this happen? But, you know, all of those would have been justified in, in our minds certain times. But the Lord was with Joseph. I love that. The Lord was with Joseph. And this is the way I look at it. Joseph would rather be in prison with the Lord than to be a free man out without the Lord. He would rather be in the prison. He would rather be in this adverse position with the Lord than to be in affluence without the Lord. And the term he uses for the Lord here in this passage is the word Yahweh. It's, it's the term that a Jewish Person wouldn't even use because of the holiness of the Creator God. They wouldn't even use the title, and that's what is written here: is that the Lord. And, I, and here's where I'm going: This. How many times do you hear people say, "Well, the man upstairs is taking care of me"? No, no, no. This is the Holy God of creation. He's not the man upstairs. And and so what Joseph is doing, he's declaring he would rather be with the Lord in prison than to be out. Now Joseph didn't see. The whole picture. He could not see the whole picture. He didn't know that the Lord was orchestrating all these moving parts so that Jesus would come. And 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 I look at God is huge and he's creative and he is in control. So whatever you're going through today, understand that we have a huge creative God that's in control. D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was the pastor for many years at Westminster Chapel in London, says this. It's tragic when a person succeeds before he is ready for it. You know, we can think, well, did Joseph really have to go through that? God was testing his character. And for a person to be handed privilege and authority, it does not mean he's ready. Some of us today in this very room are praying and desiring for things to be different in our lives right now. But we need to see that God in his time will fulfill the best plan. However, some of us in this room are walking in bitterness and unforgiveness. I mean, I look at our world today. Our world is a powder keg just waiting to explode because of the bitterness and unforgiveness that is in there. And when you, when you have unforgiveness, there's, or bitterness, there's one of two ways you respond. You either run to God or you run away from God. Joseph was going to be running to God, but let me, let me talk about bitterness just a moment because I want you to hear this. Bitterness not only affects you emotionally, but it also affects you physically and spiritually. I read a I read a quote by Doctor uh, Doctor McMillan and 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 this is what he said. He said the moment I start hating a man, I become his slave. I can't enjoy my work anymore because he controls my thoughts. My resentments produce too many stress hormones in my body, and I become fatigued after only a few hours of work. The work I formerly enjoyed is now drudgery. Even vacations cease to give me pleasure. I can't escape his tyrannical grasp on my mind. When the waiter serves me porterhouse steak, it might as well be stale bread and water. My teeth chew the food and I swallow it, but the man I hate will not permit me to enjoy its taste. I've said before up here that bitterness and unforgiveness is yourself drinking poison thinking it's going to affect somebody else. And, and it affects you physically, mentally, spiritually. But here's another thought that bitterness will eventually hurt the ones that you're closest to. We say this all the time. Hurt people hurt people. Because hurt people start seeing through the lenses of their pain. And they don't even know what they're doing it. But in their hurt, they start hurting those that are closest to them. And if that bitterness is not dealt with, that will just continue. In fact, bitterness, if not dealt with, will affect a generation. And here's what I mean. If you are dealing with bitterness and unforgiveness, you carry that into your home. And you carry it into where your children are. And children are, they catch more than they're told. And they catch that atmosphere, that environment of bitterness and what they do is they carry it with them, thinking it's normal. So your bitterness and unforgiveness doesn't just... it It's not just about you. It affects so many others. But we're not here to talk about bitterness because Joseph did not respond in bitterness. He responded by his character being tested. So I want to give you three points that I encourage you to write down about character. And... uh uh, see how these, how God would use these in your life. Number one, character is how you are when nobody's looking. Character is how you are when nobody's looking. We can all act good. I mean, we can all act real good. We can, we can clean ourselves up. We can be polite. We can do all those things. But how are you when nobody is around? What, what would people say about you if they knew what was happening? Suppose you're a businessman and and you're 500 miles away on a business trip and no one would find out. Would you be tempted to do something? How would you respond? You spend late nights on the computer when everybody else is asleep, which is an isolation time of temptation for the computer. How do you respond? You see an opportunity to take something, or do you find that loophole in the finances that you could dance around that maybe it's on the verge of ethics, but you think I'm going to do that. Nobody would find out. How do you respond? Or here's another one that would involve other people, but gossip and slander. oh, they'll never hear what I'm saying. I'm just going to do this. Your character is determined by what you're doing when nobody at all is watching. C.S. Lewis said this. He said, integrity is what you do when no one is watching. It's doing the right thing all the time, even when it may work to your disadvantage. Integrity is keeping your word. And John Wooden, the great coach, basketball coach at UCLA said, the true test of a man's character is what he does when no one is watching. We all struggle with that. Let's be honest. And How how do we deal the temptations? Because the enemy loves to isolate and, it's, and get us lonely. And that's when one of the things about the virus that has been so devastating is the loneliness and isolation that people have gone through. So how do we prepare for when the onslaught comes... In the isolation. And the temptation says, no one will ever know. Here's, the, here's, here's a strategy for you. Prepare ahead of time. You don't prepare when you're in the middle of temptation or in the middle of a fight. You prepare ahead of time. You know it's going to come. It's going to happen. And so you need to prepare ahead of time. If not... You will crumble. The Great Wall of China, got a picture of it up here. Some of you have seen the Great Wall of China. Some of you have been on it. You know, the Great Wall of China was constructed, why? As a wall to keep enemies out. But yet, it has been proven throughout history that many um, enemies have come through the wall and not destroyed the wall. How were they able to do that? And they discovered that they were able to bribe the gatekeepers. You see, man's heart is deceitful. And that character, you don't have to tear down the walls. You just have to get in. Character is how you are when nobody's looking. How you doing? Second thought on character is this. Character is revealed and forged in fire or adversity. Everyone has character. You're either you have good character or bad character. But good character, I'm telling you, is going to be developed in adversity. James Lane Allen said adversity does not build character but reveals it. In other words, when you're squeezed in a moment... What you are on the inside is truly going to come out. It's been interesting to see the adversity of this year and the fires that have come along with everything to see the responses of people. Some have responded, God's on his throne. Others have gone to fear and anxiety and and, uh, just thinking, was that what was inside already? Yes, and adversity is like a testing that reveals and forges the character. And I want you to hear this: adversity in our world is not optional. It's not optional. I've seen the most godly of people go through the most treacherous of times. Adversity comes. It doesn't make a, a, a date on your day timer. It comes. And if you are not in adversity right now, take a deep breath and thank God because chances are there's one around the corner. But if you're in the middle of one, I'm telling you, God will work you through it. But you got to know that adversity is not optional. 2020 is going to be a revealing year of the, of the forging that God has been doing with our character for our nation and i th- i think for the church i read this quote this week god often removes our crutches so we can learn to walk and and perhaps this goes through my mind perhaps god is preparing his church and his followers for an incredible outpouring by the way he's developing our character this year how do you prepare for times of adversity You've got to remember that God is with you during the adverse times. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the Old Testament? They were the, the three Hebrew slaves. They were going to be thrown in the fiery furnace, and uh, they're being told that you're going to be thrown in the fiery furnace because you will not bow down to the king. And uh, and what, what was their sp- response? You can throw us in there. Uh, our God is greater. Our God can deliver us. But even if he doesn't, We're not going to bow down to you. I mean, that's that's some sticking sticking to it right there. And and we the question is this. And I want you to chew on this just a moment. So I'm going to share it a couple of times. The question is not, are you in the storm? We're all in the storm. The question is not, are you in the storm? The question is, is the storm in you? You see, there's a huge difference. We're all going through storms. We read the scriptures and we see how people went through incredible storms. But yet they were able to be content in the midst of that. How could they do that? It's because of the faith that God was with them in the midst of it. I see Christians just panicking today. And the question is... We are all in the storm, but is the storm having its way in you? Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, his life could be characterized by discomfort at the best. He went through so much. But he, when he wrote the letter to the Philippian church called Philippians, he was in jail in Rome, okay? He was in jail in Rome writing this letter to the the church in Philippi and it was it's considered the joyful letter that he wrote. And you read it, there's tons of joy in it. But he starts talking in there. He said, "I've learned to be content in all circumstances, whether it's good or whether it's bad. I've learned to be content" In all circumstances. In other words, I've learned to be content whether the storm and adversity is coming or whether it's a time of peace. I've learned to be content in all situations. And then he says this, and this is a statement that's been put on locker room billboards. It's been, it's been put out there, but people do not understand the cir- circumstances behind this statement. He goes on to say, but I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. See, that wasn't birthed out of a football game going out there to say, this is what we're going to do. It was birthed out of out of an incredible prison experience of discomfort. And Paul is saying, I'm content no matter what's going on. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Last Last thought on character. Character determines your true legacy. Whatever Joseph did, the scripture says that he succeeded at. His journey was prosperous. God can see our past, our present, and our future, and he is in control. You know, I think about this story. I think about if Joseph gave in to Potiphar's wife. I think about if Joseph... Became bitter and unforgiving in prison. I think about if he just decided to get angry with God and just call it quits. We wouldn't have history the way we have it. Because God was preparing this man so that eventually the children of Israel would come to Egypt, get back to the promised land, and Jesus would be born for the Savior of the world. You can see that this is not an isolated thing. It affects all of history. But what about you and me? What is our legacy? Is our character ready for our legacy? We were created for God's glory and purposes, so he prepares us for what will give him the most glory. And that's what he can do in adversity. So how do you handle it when all seems to be out of control? We're going to hate this answer. Wait. Wait for God to show up. Cease striving and know that he is God. You remember the storm encounters with Jesus in the boat? Oh, you have little faith. The storm's out there, but why is the storm in you? I'm wrapping up. I, I... Pam and I in our life have have had uh, different times of really character testing times. Uh, you know, we 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 look back at them and think, "Wow, man, God, those were squeezing." Some we passed, some we didn't pass. But God is faithful. But one in particular, as I was studying this week, just came out to me. You see, for for many years I was in youth ministry. Uh, I think it was a good youth minister back in the day. Some of you were in our youth ministry, and your kids have graduated high school, and that bothers me a whole lot. But uh, but we were. That, in fact, that's what got us to Round Rock, 1985. We came here. If you can imagine, uh, for for you that haven't lived here that long, man, it was the it was a epitome of perfect for doing youth ministry. We had one of the larger youth ministries in the in the area in the Austin area and, and because I had freedom and openness and and the community was really different and so it was you know and probably some arrogance in that and and I got to go speak at a lot of places do camps all those kind of things and uh, but yet the Lord started moving on our heart about going over and replanting Mission Church and uh, from from the church we were serving at. So, uh we we went and we knew that um in going over this, I was no longer going to be a somebody, I was going to be a nobody and we were going to have no money and and these kind of things. So we we made that step. Our kids were going to lose the amenities of big church and all that kind of stuff, but but that's okay. We we felt like we were following the Lord. So we go and and uh uh, we start to grow and people continue to come in and we, people are faithful in their giving. And so we get the chance to put together our first budget. Okay. And so we put together this budget and part of the, the guys putting the budget together felt like, uh, we needed to increase our salary because, uh, we were not going to be able to make it if we didn't increase the salary. And so, um, and so they put that in the budget. We, we felt good about it. And so went and presented the budget to uh, the sponsoring church, okay? And um, uh, so because they had the final call because we submit to their authority. So what happened was is that uh, it was a particular morning that, that Pam and I and some other people from our congregation were going to be going to the evangelism conference in Fort Worth but I, I got a call that said, before y'all leave, I, I need you to come in the office. So I went into the uh, office of the sponsoring church and went in there, and uh, I noticed the budget on, on the table there. And so I figured, okay, they're going to okay our budget. We're going to be okay. We're going to make it. And uh, he, But I, I noticed he had marked some things in red on our budget, and he had circled that part about our salary. And he said, "There is no way this is going to happen because they had the authority. We submit to their authority." And I'm thinking, "Oh man, how am I going to tell Pam this? How are we going to make it? We're, we're not going to make." It. I mean, it was a kick in my gut because we thought we can do this. We were, but all of a sudden, it was it was the kick in the gut. Uh, it was a storm, and how we were going to handle this storm. Um, there was temptation for bitterness, some, some things to, to happen, but we we figured God was faithful in taking the sandpaper to us and to me because I still needed some character development in me. Now we're still here. We we uh, uh, God has been faithful. But uh, that was one of those times where, God, we're going to have to trust you. You're in the middle of this. I don't know how we're going to make it, but we're going to trust you. And he's been faithful. I end with this. There was a, a cleaning lady. She was called a scrub woman by the name of Sophie. She was a Christian, and she worked in New York in one of the high-rise buildings. One particular day, a man came to Sophie, and he said, Say, Sophie, I understand that you're a Christian. Yes, sir, I'm a child of the king, was her immediate reply. Oh, so you must be a princess since God is your king. I sure am. Well, if God is your father and you are a princess and a child of the king, do you not think that it is beneath your dignity to be found here in New York City scrubbing these dirty steps? And she thought for a moment, and she said, there is no humiliation whatsoever. You see, I am not scrubbing these steps for my boss, Mr. Brown. I'm scrubbing them for Jesus Christ, my Savior. Listen, we exist. We exist for God's good pleasure and glory. That's why we exist. You do your work. You do whatever you do. But let me tell you, ultimately, you do it unto Jesus, our Savior. And he's going to use this adversity to develop our character. I want you to bow your heads with me just a moment. James and Emily are going to come and, and uh, we're going to just sing one last song. But I want you to bow your heads and I want to ask you a question in your spirit. I don't. Just draw a circle around yourself. And I want to ask you this. We're all in a storm, okay? We're all in the storms, whether it's the virus or whether it's fractured family or whether it's money shortage or health issues or wandering children, um, whatever. But the question I want to ask you, what's the storm doing in you? Are you just living in anxiety and worry and bitterness and unforgiveness? Or can you see that the Lord is with you in that storm? And what do you need to just lay before Him today? Just, just lay it before Him. There, there may be somebody in this room that's not even a Christian. They're not a follower of Jesus. Uh, A good person, religious person, came to church today. But yet, in their heart of hearts, they got to say they have never had an encounter with the living God through Jesus Christ. And God today is saying, come to me. Understand that Jesus went to the cross for you. His forgiveness is real. And he desires for you. To call out to him right now. Listen. Until then. The storm will rage without. Within. Upon. But I want you to know. That once you surrender. And you submit to Jesus Christ. He abides with you. And in you forever. Lord. There's. A lot of different scenarios in this room right now. But Lord, you are involved intimately in each one of them. And so Lord, whatever storm people are going through, I pray that they are resting in you. So Lord, meet them right now where they're at. Just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand and these steps kind of become an altar that you can come and kneel and pray at. And maybe some of you need to come today and just lay the storm before the Lord or submit to him today. Whatever. I just want you to be obedient in this room.